John, you good? I'm good. Let's roll, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome back. Another week, another guest, and another returning guest. Zach Fisher of AFC Columbia down in Missouri joins us. Hi, Zach. Hey, guys. How's it going? All good, all good. As ever, joining me live from his office in Rochelle is John Hall. Hi, John. I love that we uh, pretend like we haven't been talking to Zach for 20 minutes, and then we all of a sudden go, hey, Zach, good to talk to you. <laughs> you, th- you think that all these radio guests don't have like ongoing conversations for hours and hours? Rogan's talking for weeks, you know that. Um. Zach has been on the show on the show once before, um, in his guise as the only person we could find to talk about NFTs, um, not NFTs, um, NIL, name, image, likeness, stuff. NFTs is a whole other thing we're not going to get into. But um, Zach, we get to we know Zach primarily because he is the founder, president, chairman, whatever nomenclature nom- you want, of AFC Columbia um, of the Midwest. In their inaugural season last year, they came second in the Midwest South. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, Second. well, yeah, he's shaking his head for those on watching in color. Um, obviously, unpleased with that. I'm sure we were touching that. But we wanted Zach on because Zach is in the, but not the unique position, but a good position of um, having set up a club, have gone through all the pitfalls and the travails that a lot of people sort of abandon ship on. He's come through out the other side. And now a year in, uh, he's got a couple more gray hairs. He looks a little bit more world weary, but he's got stories to tell, I am sure. So, uh, Zach, question number one. How was your inaugural season in the Midwest Premier League? Uh, I would say it was a foundation year. We had to build the foundation. We had to get us to where we we are hoping to be next year and the year after. And um, all in all, it was a good first year. We set up a lot of the processes that are going to make us successful for going forward. Um, We were pretty competitive on the field. We only had one game where I would say we were outplayed by the other team on the field. we didn't, we didn't win all the games, but we didn't lose them all either. So I consider that a success. Um, we, the community is, is obviously a big part of our, how we're building our club. And um, that when we just did a farmer's market about two weeks ago and we had an ungodly amount of people say, hey, when's the next game? How can we support? Um, we were there. We came to your game you know, during the season. We averaged about 250 a game, except for one game where it was 107 degrees outside. Um, so we don't really count that in the average attendance. But uh um, and even then, we had probably 90 or so people out there at the game. So uh, good foundation year. Um, coaching staff is, um, uh, you know, is on the way to where we want to be. Off the field is is where we want to be. And really, it's just an experience. Year one is going into and is trying to tell people how, you know, I've come from a sport management background, so I know how to run events. But teaching people who have never run events how to run events is, you know, it's a challenge. So coming into year one and having to explain why we're doing certain things to prepare is now we're in year two and it's they don't need to know why they're like, oh, how can we build this better? How can we do this, you know, even bigger? So, you know, we've set that foundation and that's probably the best way to explain it. You know, we we've gotten past year one. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, They, how many of they are there? Like in terms of the day to day operations of the club and then on a game day volunteer type. 
Oh, with the uh, regular so, volunteers. So we probably have like three different tiers. We have probably a tier that is involved in the day-to-day running, and there's probably five of them, not with not just me. Then we have a periphery of probably six or seven people that help out with special projects and are there for special needs or whatever. And then um, on game day, we have probably four or five more people that kind of just help out with whatever. Um, and it's hit or miss. We don't get them all at once. Usually it's usually we get a batch of them at once. And um, some of the time, some of that was with scheduling this year with some of the games this year being moved around and stuff like that. We had a little bit less time to plan out some of our things that we wanted to do. Um, so give or take probably there's 12 or so that are involved with the club in a capacity where we could say, Hey, do a project and not have to babysit them. So I'll say about that. All right, cool. Where did you get them from? Were they, were they there from day one or um, like, were you going through your role desk of, of contacts or did you stumble upon them because there was a soccer club? Yeah. So the, so we didn't have a soccer club in the area. That's why we started club AFC. It was, there wasn't yeah. a local club around. There hadn't been a club around. There was not even a women's team or anything like that to help, you know, build it around. Um, so the first four that have been around for the longest have been uh, just on social media. How that's, we just found each other. Hey, we're interested in your club, you know, how can we get involved and we kind of that and then as we played in the indoor league and then as we played in the sunday league we've, we've kind of gathered people who were either players or had seen the club and we've just kind of picked them up from there um i think three or four of them at least have played for the club at some point either in sunday league or indoor and have just you know they didn't weren't play, they weren't playing on the regional team or even one of our players on the regional team this year was uh not only did played but also helped out with business operations so um, we've just kind of accumulated people and, you know, it's, we've gotten three or four requests to have people join the, you know, not just the board, but the operations in the fall here. So, um, as the, as the, um, word grows, we just get people reach out and we figure out what they're good at and what they can be useful for as, in a sense of what is, what is their mindset? Like, what do they want to do? What, what interests them? So they're not just doing stuff that's boring. Some of it's boring in the sense of like some of it's paperwork, stuff like that, but the most part they're doing things that they enjoy and they're soccer people. So they're just happy to be part of it. And we appreciate them helping out when they can. Nice. I got a, I got a question. Um, I, I want to talk about the last season, but like starting today and what does the off season look like for you guys? Oh, uh, we've already, we've had our postmortem already. Um, from last year, so uh, John was thankful enough to help us with our uh, postseason survey. Um, we had a, a, a two week. Uh, we, we essentially took the month of August off because we just were burnout, and we didn't want to push people off into the burnout phase because that's just when you're going to lose people because it's you just need a break, um, especially because we hosted the last four weeks. Like we were home, we were away all of June and home all of July, basically for the most part. So we we were just burnt out. Um, so we had that postmortem, we figured out what we were good at, what we were bad at, um, what things we can do better. Um, we have that, okay, air your grievances. If you had something that was wrong, let us know now so that we can affect it. And then, uh, the things that's changed from this year to last year was we were advocating why we need to do business partnerships up front and why we need to get on their fiscal calendars, why we need to get in front of these people now. Um, part of that's because of uniform orderings. Part of it's because, uh, just, we need to, we need to be out there in advance in the community. So pretty much September 1st, we said, all right, it's a new year. Um, we've reset our, all our business contacts. We've updated our business matrix to saying who we've contacted, who our contacts are. Um, and then we started doing uh, social uh, community building. So we go out into the farmer's market next month or this coming month, we're looking to do either a festival or two festivals. And then 
um, updating our memberships. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that we we did in the spring last year that we're doing in the fall this year. And that's uh, one of the things that we're working on is a brand guideline. Like we want to trademark our logo. We want to make sure that the brand guidelines so that when we get into the summer, we can hand them a guideline to interns and say, here's how we do our use our logo. This is the way we use it. So if you build social media stuff for us, this is the expectations on how that works. Instead of having me to handhold everyone and, and do everything myself, we can uh, diversify, you know, personnel basically. And that's another thing is like, we need to start connecting with the colleges now to be able to get onto their calendar for the spring to get interns for the summer. So it's a year long process to get those kind of things. So working on that and we're working on facilities already for next year. So it never ends. It never ends. Amen. I remember, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I don't know, would have been around this point at the time. Um, I put out a tweet that was just like, you know, um, so what does everyone else do during an off season? Tongue in cheek, because John was having me run pillar and post, and a couple of clubs like were like, like what's an off season? Because they got it, like you've got to do X, Y, Z. And a couple of people responded like, we're not doing anything until April, May, March, whenever. Right? And it was just like, okay, it, good luck to you, but just I don't know how you're going to get those. And that goes back to what we were talking about offline as well, right? The back of you know, clubs versus teams versus kickballs versus whatever else and we i'm sure we will touch on that um actually let's touch on that now what's the goal for afc um in the you know you said year one was a ground was foundation what's the goal for this time next year where do you want to be and then where do you want to be this time in five years or ten years or uh we want to be able to the point where you can walk around town and see the logo like that's that's the goal we want to be able to see that like we're here we're an established uh established entity that helps not only sponsorships with getting but getting players and um, just building a club atmosphere. We are more focused this year on building the game day experience and uh, growing from 250 to we, our goal next year is 500. We'd like to average 500 with uh, maybe a potential change of venue. We'll help with that. Um, but we're, we're looking, at, looking at how we engage with our members better, how we um, can really grow that, that community aspect versus we got the foundation. We're not too worried about how to feel the product and you know, that kind of stuff. But, how do we grow into the community and how we can turn it into, I would say our, and I'm very critical of our, of our club in the sense of our game day from a one to 10 was probably a three or four last year in terms of what I think it can be. And our goal is to get that to a seven or an eight so that we can get to the point where we can sell enough tickets that were fiscally um, wholesome without having to have external support. And to, so we had player fees last year. I'd love to be able to get to that fiscally where we don't need to do that. Um, so there's a lot of growth in that area of, uh, we need to build the fan base up to the point where not only is it a thing when you wear the logo, people know what it is in town, but also um, we can promote it to maybe a larger audience instead of having just focus solely on getting the hardcore soccer people in town that we can get the average soccer people, you know, and trickle down that escalator of, of interest in soccer to the point where if someone's not interested in soccer, but they see, they see that the local soccer team's playing that they might come out and check it out. So yeah, local uh, pride, right? Yeah, so it's local pride. So, I mean, and part of it, people from Columbia are, have attachments to either St. Louis or Kansas City. So in the summer, you know, we're trying to you know, maybe localize our interests in our city because our city doesn't have minor league baseball or anything like that to, um, to compete against or have yeah. to say that's our own. We've, we've said a number of times that we're always surprised. Well, I'm certainly surprised, like, how many people don't know about us, which sounds kind of arrogant, right? Like... We've done. We've been here for five years. Everyone should know about us. We should be as popular as NIU Huskies. Um, but John can testify. Like, there's people just just do not know that the soccer club exists. And to my mind, I always go back to that. That 
if people cared about a sh about soccer, there would already have been a soccer club, a thriving soccer club in town. I think the people that you've got to get on board are, as you said, the the minorly interested soccer people and the disinterestedly not soccer people who are coming because you're representing Springfield and that's what they do. It's, but getting those butts on seats is huge, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, financially, the difference between 250 people in the gate and 500 people in the gate is substantial. So it's, you know, it's part of the, there's a rationale behind butts and seats. Well, and it, it creates that environment too. Like nobody wants to go to a party with 13 people, but if you put 400 people in my backyard, that place is rocking. And, and if you want to create that environment of, hey, you should have been there too, then you need people to be there to start that sort of snowball. Um, you mentioned, Zach, going to farmer's markets and different things like that. Um, we, we go back and forth about this um, because there's so many opportunities to get out there. Do you guys try to target like one thing a month in the off season to just keep keep out there something to market towards or do you um, building off not just the community events, but like what's what are you doing differently with marketing heading into year two? Um, year one, it was difficult because no one knew we existed really like it was like we had soccer people knew we existed like the people in town knew we existed, but like people like the average, like just soccer fan didn't know. We, like if you, unless you played in the Sunday league or you played against us in indoor, like no one really knew that we were building. So year one, it was hard to um, explain what we were, not necessarily like what the goal was or just, we were explaining like soccer's coming to Columbia in, in this form. So um, so our goal this in the off season is once a month. And then as we grow into internships and, you know, and grow, hopefully keep growing into the, into the spring, into the summer that we're doing, um, probably once every two weeks in the like spring. And then, um, hopefully in the summer, we're having an intern two, two or three interns that we can go to as many events as we can get them to, um, to promote the club. Um, yeah, the really big thing was trying to explain what we are to now people know what we are and are asking about how we can get more information. That's kind of really the, and you know, for us, it's it's not really even if like like the farmers market, we couldn't sell anything, so like we didn't make any revenue off that. So there's opportunities to not only go to events but also make revenue if you're allowed to sell jerseys and shirts and stuff like that. So there's not only a revenue opportunity but a marketing opportunity there. So we're always looking for those opportunities because not only are we getting, you know, growing the club that way, but fiscally we're making, we're doing non game day revenue, which will help with the budget long-term. So there's justifications between doing certain events over others. And we just have to figure out how to avoid burnout and how can we, um, how can we hit as many different areas in town? Because you know, the farmer's market, not only the same person that's going to go to the, you know, the jazz festival or something, there's just so many different pods of people. And, um, you know, we had one person at the farmer's market said, I didn't even know you guys existed. I'm like, well, that's why we're here because we have to grow with something, you know, we have to get the word out. And just like the guy from Scotland's like, there's so many, you know, people are on social media that but they still go to your website. Well, you know, there's, you know, there, some people just don't go on media in general. So like, you got to figure out other ways to get to them. So, yeah, we it still, it still goes back to like, um, street signs and billboards and, um, uh, and and all the online digital things and and there's I think that's why Nick uh, will I don't know that we'll ever get it where everybody knows us you know I think that's that's one of the big challenges we have is just people it's one thing to see the logo and be like yeah yeah I've seen that but but even seeing the logo or seeing a sign doesn't tell the story and how do you get out and tell that story um, there's there's only so many hours in a day and so many ways to do it electronically you know through videos and different things like that I think it, it gets uh, 
I, I said this yesterday in a conversation with somebody. I don't. I, we look to to uh, Europe as like, man, they've been doing this for 150 years. I think if you dropped anybody in a community, they're going to struggle. Despite all their history, they're going to struggle to figure out how to connect when you're not already that sort of the culture of of what's going on. I, th I think this is a this is a thing that why we do this podcast is to tell stories and tell things, tell the, the stories of the things that worked and didn't work. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, similarities to, to what we're all going through and trying to do it sort of through the community and not through an individual investor. But, um, but that, that, um, long comment leads me to a, uh, a question. Um, if you are at a point where you're quote unquote sustainable, you're coming back for year two. So the finances are good enough to exist, right? That's the first low bar. Um, if, if splashed with a little bit of extra money from a sponsor or from something else, what do you do with that? X amount of dollars, like what's, where are you investing those resources? Outside of just trying to reduce player fees and trying to make it accessible to as many people uh, as possible. Yeah, I mean, without spending it on operations and field rentals and uh, t-shirts um, for your team and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, how do you grow uh, your community awareness through that? So what I would do is I would, honestly, I would have a marketing suite of things that, that we can do like a branded tent. I would do more signage. I would try to get more promotional materials because ultimately that revenue, would, you're hoping to take that revenue and grow it into even bigger revenue in the, in the future to help it sustain be more sustainable. So like, obviously we'd have to, we'd love to have another tablecloth. We'd love to have, you know, a, you know, another branded tent, like I said, um, that's, we would love to even buy a bounce house. That's, that's one thing that we'd love to do. We don't like, we have a small one, but we like to have another one stuff that we can use on game day to make the game day experience better so that people will you know come back and do more so um those are things that we would probably look at doing is more um, game day experience type items and and probably some i would love to do a paid social campaign next year versus just organic so, uh, social um it, it's i think that revenue makes it itself like it, it pays for itself like it pays back and not only that it grows your audience because more people are likely to follow you and there's reasons to do those kinds of things and we would only spend it on things that we would expect to get a return on an investment either short-term or long-term. Some of these things you're going to get long-term investment. Some of them are going to be immediate, but at least paid social, I can go to my board and say, I spent $50 and we made $150 in tickets. Let's do this more. And that's how you're, you're kind of, you know, going up the escalator, so to speak. I would also invest in uh, a better um, streaming setup. <laughs> that's probably another thing. Our streaming setup was awful. So um, that was learning as we go here. What were you using streaming wise? Um, we just had a basic cam uh, camcorder camera and we were mm -hmm. using 11 sports and, and we just had some technical difficulties between the, the, the capture rate of the camera wasn't uh, translating to the computer and then we had Wi-Fi issues because of the venue and yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't a lack of effort. It was a lack of technology didn't like us and we're trying to figure that out. So if you try to watch our stream last year, we apologize. It wasn't on purpose. We just didn't really have a technical answer for it and we'll we're already working on fixing it for next year all very easy from the ivory tower of the standards commission to say we've got to have this that and the other isn't it um absolutely yes on the paid marketing front on the paid events of facebook um we're probably going to do an episode on it um it's kind of what i do but i'm going to get probably someone else on to talk about it in more depth um and we will have in inverted commas idiots questions it's easy for me to know what I'm doing and ask quick. So um, stay tuned, Zach. 
Um, but yeah, anybody listening, you know, the fact that you've got 250 people on your opening day without doing paid marketing is phenomenal, frankly. Um, congratulations on that. Um, longer term, like you said, you wanted, you wanted brand awareness or whatever, but like, um, is AFC Columbia first team it, or are you looking to put out tentacles into youth and to women's soccer and over 40s and whatever else? Women's soccer, we'll just say, is on the horizon. It's uh, near but not official. Um, but uh, we are building a team that is bringing uh, that is going to, you know, be the, in charge of that and and explain exactly what we want to do, how we want to do it, and um, it's very female led too. So that's going to be kind of exciting. From um, they're kind of telling us what they want, and how they want to do it, and what they want to do. It'll be same badge, same name, everything, just uh, women's version. Um, we would like to um, get more involved with the adult leagues in the area, so have a little bit more organization in some of the outdoor leagues, whether it be a fall league. There is currently a, a pretty substantial summer league here in Columbia. Um, we'd like to maybe uh, look into that to see how we could help or do our own thing or, you know, you know what have it. Uh, there's only one small, tiny indoor facility that runs their own thing, so we can't really have it. There's not really anything for us to do there, but um, really trying to grow into, like, watch parties and, and, you know, those. We're trying to be a full-fledged club and trying to be doing events as a club, you know, even when we're not playing. So um, that is the holistic picture. Um, ideally, obviously, we'd like to start investing into some kind of fund for, uh, for our own facility, um, not only because it cuts our cost down long term, but also we can use it to generate revenue for other events that's not named our club. Um, so that's really the goal for right now. The, the, yeah, the goal right now is to try to get into adult soccer and stay away from youth soccer as much as possible. Um, that's because we have two large youth clubs in town and we just you know they do their things and we'll help support them as much as we can and raise uh, raise money for scholarships for them and you know we'll we'll stick to the adult soccer but that's kind of the goal is our goal is to be the adult soccer organization in town yeah. basically that's fair. that's fair what was your roster primarily last or well, this last season were you college-based were you local kids were you local grown men who should know better what we were about half and half, uh, about half college players. Uh, so our so we have a very Basque-esque rule, and either you have to be from Columbia, live in Columbia, or have played at a Columbia high school or college in town. So you have to have some Columbia connection. There was no – we didn't bring ringers in from out of state. We didn't have anyone like that. Um, everyone had a Columbia connection. About half of them had played for – or are playing – I'd say maybe even maybe just a quarter, maybe a third, somewhere around there. We're currently playing, and then we have a we have a lot that just graduated, and we, um, you know, the colleges around here, NAI, they've won three out of the last four national championships. Um, the top two of the top three NAI teams in the country are here. Um, we had two or three Division One players on our team. I can't remember how many. Um, uh, and then we had, but even saying that they're from Columbia, we, we had a very diverse team. Uh, we had about a third of the roster as came from Africa originally. So, um, it was kind of cool to see some of the different flags and stuff that were being, you know, you know, on our, on our social media from all the different countries. So very diverse, but what we're building towards long-term is we're building to that. We can play in any month of the year and be able to field a competitive roster. So that is the goal long-term is to, um, it's great to bring in the college players, but we want to be able to play when we need to play and build towards the US Open Cup if uh, that becomes a thing. Yeah. Is there us. a timeline on that or is that just like the goal? And um, we're, we're about three or four years out. We've kind of have a general idea of that pipeline of what we think we need to get to, but um, <laughs> let's check back in year two. We'll see how we are. We'll see how we are well, in that pipeline. So, so far this podcast, we just make a habit of getting the same old guests back year after year. So we'll definitely keep an eye on you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. um, 
John, have you got anything? I've got a couple more questions I know I want to get out, but you look Yeah, I, I, um, just from a management perspective, um, I know the answer because we've talked about this, but how involved are you with, with players and coaching through the actual season? I was a little bit probably more hands-on than I wanted to be originally, but uh, we lost, uh, we had a person who had some personal issues right before the season who we were going to have as like our, uh, our kit person or equipment person that was going to be handling all the registrations and stuff. Like he had some personal issues, so he had to step away. So we had a void that I filled because I had done the ordering in jerseys and stuff. So um, I was very active this year. I was pretty much at most of the practices, if not all of them. I wasn't at all. I was at most of them though. Um, I never coached, never gave coaching suggestions. We talked about roster management just from a health standpoint. Um, the coaches coach. I we did have a post mortem at the end of the season where I gave my feedback, and um, it was largely player based feedback. Players can talk to me whenever they want. They know that. Um, they talk to me even at Sunday league games after just talking about the club and how they think they can help grow it and all that stuff. But um, uh, next year will be very more. Will be more hands off. This was just you know, year one, we wanted to make sure that it was running professionally. Um, we got a lot of po positive feedback that the practice or that the games run professionally and stuff like were run um, at a higher level than some of the other clubs that we played. And, um, and it's not to knock them. We just, we put a, we put a, a premium on having that experience. And I wanted to know what the players thought about the, their experiences throughout the year and um, had an open dialogue with the captain. I said, the captain, you can, you can make whatever comment you want whenever you want it. And we'll, we'll take it for what it is. But for the most part, um, if it was a playing, I didn't, I didn't have any players approach me about any playing stuff really. Um, other than just feedback, just comments, just one-off comments. So, um, I was very hands-on this year, but the goal is for this year or for next year is to be, to be pretty much, they do their thing and we'll do ours and we'll see how we can interact outside of social media stuff. Like you're always going to need to be involved with like social media videos and you know, that kind of stuff. So. So did you, um, one of the, one of the questions that my good friend and, and yours, Andy Hayes asked me the first, our first ever match four and a half years ago was what's the end goal for you, John? And I asked you, Zach, now that you've started it and got the, a little bit of trajectory, where are you in 10 years with this, uh, chaos that you've created? Yeah, my goal would be to to uh, my 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 goal when we started this was to bring men's and women's soccer, a competitive semi team, pro team to Columbia and have it be competitive. I think we'll have accomplished that in year in year two, or well, it's really year four, but year two of of the actual team uh, playing. Um, I would like to eventually uh, the the presidency rotates every two years, so um, we'll probably step more into a consulting role after this year, or more into a um, there for you need it type role. Um, I still am very much hands-on though, so I don't think that'll happen. Uh, but I will be very, um, the goal will be to have a new leader at the end of next year to be president and I can help in with more league stuff or business stuff. Um, but I think it's healthy that club leadership changes over, um, every once, every so often so that that leader doesn't get burnt out, but also we get new fresh ideas and fresh perspective. And, um, but I have a, I have a master's in sport management. So I have a lot of, I have eight years of experience running high-end sporting events. So I'm always going to be around to help make sure the club is, is operating at a, at a high level as, as much as we can be with the resources we have. So, so two years, um, hopefully we have a new president and I can help with that and stay around. But eventually I'd like to, I do a lot and I'd like to do less as we go in, but we're at, we're getting new people and they're are filling those voids. So once I feel comfortable that the club could operate more or less without me, that would be kind of where we're going. Not that I'll ever actually leave the club. Got it. Yeah. I just want to thank you. Yeah. I just want to thank you. He cannot get out of it quick enough, but.
Yeah, have you, have you got that line of succession in your head, even if it's not verbalized? Do you know like other people that want that gig? Other people that you want to have that gig? I have, I, have a, I have my own version, but I'm not going to tell them that. Yeah, so no, if no. I listen to this podcast, I don't want them to know this. But uh, yeah. I, have, I have an idea of how we do it. But I mean, honestly, um, it, building the experience of people running the event from year one, you can already tell a change of mindset going to year two. And I can, I would, I would, I'd imagine that those same people that we did a great job for us this year are going to have a change of mindset for year three on how they can be even better. And um, it's been great to see that growth. I was a little concerned going into it year one, how they were going to handle it after going through a season. And I, I think they're asking questions that they didn't ask last year that were even better. And as we keep building that base of experience that hopefully um, um, uh, leaders will step up and go from there. Okay, I'm confident, I'm confident if I got hit by a bus, someone could take it over and it would be just fine. We, we the music the term, might not be great on game day, but we'll figure it out. We use the term get hit by the lottery bus. It's a little more positive. Um, I think that's that's uh, one question that I have, and, and this is something Nick and I deal with all the time, but what is your uh, what is your organizational schedule through this offseason? You know, you got an eight or nine month offseason. How often are you meeting with just the board, the full you know, you said three tiers of staff, basically. How When are you meeting with them, and how does that work? Yeah, tiers one is the staff, so they're, they're pretty much required to show up to monthly meetings. It's once a month right now. Um, and we'll go into, it'll go, to, we'll start doing bi-weeklies in January and, and start going into February as we ramp up and start getting stuff in line. And uh, we really ramp up once the holiday, or once the holidays hit. Um, probably November 1st is when we'll really start kicking up in the gear twice a week. I mean, we communicate on Microsoft Teams pretty much every day about business stuff. So, um, and then tier two is kind of invited if you want to show up. If not, you don't really have an official like set thing you have to do. But some people get involved with special products and stuff like that. Um, we'll go into, like I said, biweekly, probably starting in January. And then we'll go into, uh, uh, that'll be pretty much it until the season starts. Um, if we can't get stuff done every biweekly, then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But uh, we also have three. So we're organized. Uh, we have, a business committee, a comms committee, and then we have the on-field people. Um, I, we call it the competition committee. But So the business committee has, um, right now there's a little bit of mix over, but uh, we're growing the comms committee to be its own thing so that business people can focus on business, the social media and video people can focus on promoting the club on, on media, and then they can do, um, as we get in, they can build into their respective things. So the things that you're doing in the off-season is the stuff you do during the season for both of those uh, committees. So. We're not, we're not we're not training a whole bunch of new people once the season starts. We have some idea of what went into the back end of building it out. Obviously, sense. people move, so people move on us, mm -hmm. and they uh, and you know that happens, and that was frustrating this year. Is uh, it was good for them? They both of them moved to better things and up in their careers, but um, you have to plan for that too. Selfish is what the word you're looking for, really, isn't it? Just no, 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 no. <laughs> Selfish right. for me, but uh, good for them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you said something a while back that just um, chimed with me. It was like, this is you going into year two, but it's actually year four, indicative of you know all the amount of planning that went into it ahead of time and yada, yada, yada. Um, no amount of planning can allow for everything, right? So what surprised you this year in terms of operations or standards or whatever? Uh, scheduling was a nightmare. <laughs> scheduling uh, was not... Uh... There's only three of you, three to three other clubs. How hard could it have been? Scheduling. <laughs> um, and just um, dealing with politics and lower league soccer, um, just dealing with, um, you know, not, I'm not going to call any specific clubs out, but just like, just dealing with trying to put a schedule together. Livonia. Um, 
No, we, I would love to go play them. Eventually, we'll, eventually, FC will we'll, we'll play Livonia and we'll play DeKalb and we'll worry about all that later. But um, just dealing with all that, I didn't. Ex- I, I knew it was going to happen, but I also didn't expect how bad it was going to be um, in some situations. On well, my club's better than your club, you know this, this, that. We're not going to travel there because we're a bigger club and whatever. Um, we've learned quickly to worry about our club and not worry about everyone else's club and be the best you can be and not worry about whatever. Um, we tell our team, whatever your away game is, it's their club. They run their club the way they want it. And we go there and we play the game and that's, that's our job. Um, so we control our home games and we'll make our home games about as best as we can. And we'll build that up. But I think that's the biggest lesson learned was focus on your club and if they do their things their way. They do their things their way. And it is what it is. But scheduling, scheduling was a nightmare. Well, we will not do that again next year. Scheduling was a nightmare. <laughs> You're going to get someone else into the, just throw no, money at the No, I think we're, we're, we're going to approach um, the officialness of our schedule a little differently. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm intrigued about that. Um, I haven't touched that with a crappy stick and I'm not going to because yeah, <laughs> I don't envy you at all. That's why John, I know John has managed to get rid of that job as well. So congratulations, John. Um, all right. I want to touch on the stuff that we were talking about off air beforehand. Um, but John, have you got anything that you wanted to bring up before we go down that route? No, no, that's that's all good. I think the uh, I, I think um, one of the things that I was I was curious um, briefly is, uh, is is throw us a high and a low real quick on last season that, to kind of wrap it up with with where you were. Um, aside from getting to deal with me at the league level as a high or a low, maybe maybe both. Um, what, what was great and what, what was kind of the weak point for your season real quick? From what you said from the league standpoint or just in general? No, from, from, from AFC Columbia. The high was, um, honestly just having the support there and the sport growth. Like, you know, it, it, it seems like 250 is a lot for some, some things, but like, you know, there's concern that no one's going to show up. So, um, you know, that's, that was a big thing. I think beating Santa Fe 4-3 when we were down 3-1 and not looking good in the first quarter was a competitive high. Um, low was dropping the, not winning the league. I mean, we were, in my opinion, the better, t- we were definitely the better team in game one against IX. And, um, we were, um, probably about half and half for game two. So frustrating that they not only won the rivalry cup, but also the, the, the conference from a competitive standpoint, low was, we didn't, uh, off the field was probably not hitting our game day experience as much as we wanted to. We struggled just because of. Moving pieces that sometimes were out of our control. Sometimes that you know, we it was hard to explain why we do certain things at a certain time, and um, you never have enough staff for all the things that you want to do. But um, that's kind of we're 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 the thing. Good thing is that the low things are things that we can control and we can fix and get better. So I think that's the best part. It boils down to wants versus needs as well, doesn't it? Right? Of just like we're trying to we want you know we want the three hour pregame show and we want people tailgating from nine o'clock in the morning and all that stuff. But we don't need, what we need is to ensure that there's people manning the gate, there's people coming through the gate and that there's a product for them to watch. After that, it's bells and whistles and smokes and mirrors. So we have to focus on what what, what matters most. Um, all right, you are, are not, no one listening to this will know that we were chatting before, but I've alluded to it. Uh, we had an interesting conversation about the future or growing soccer in the US. And this isn't a pro-rel conversation. We don't need to switch off and go and tell Ted. But um, to press A, it basically, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Zach, that you you feel like um, there's a glass ceiling for independent small minor league club growth um, without some sort of 
overarching management. I don't want to say pyramid because that then goes into the ProRail stuff, but and where you're progressing your club. I, I don't know if there's necessarily a glass ceiling because like there's clubs like Lansing who are uh, are yeah. um, that are growing right. pretty substantially without a glass ceiling. Like there's there's you can grow, but what are you like? My biggest thing is uh, some of these, some of these, and it's not to knock any league, and it's just especially is like, all right, you played your season, you built your club up, but like, guess what? You're going to be in the same league next year. You have played the same teams you probably play if they survived, if they financially survived. Um, you're going to do it again next year. And there's not really a, I mean, yeah, you, you have a chance at some trophies. Um, there's two national cups, basically, you know, if you're in your league national cup and the amateur cup. Um, there's not really a way to grow into something bigger. Like there's, you're not playing teams farther away. You're not playing better teams. You're going to play the same teams that are in your league. So um, right now, as we speak, I, there's not really a rationale of why a person should support your club versus another club necessarily, other than where you are geographically. Um, so there's got to be a way, there's got to be a, a system in place that rewards clubs who play well, like, Minneapolis City and, and Menace up uh, up there, like those are two great clubs. They probably should be playing more competitive clubs more often. Like there's got to be a way to set clubs apart that are doing well on the field and give them a rationale. And that's not really a pro well thing because I don't know if our club isn't ready to play professionally. Our club is not ready to play regionally. Like we could not play. We could not. We could not travel to Michigan all the time. We could not travel to Minnesota. But over time, there's got to be a system in place that gives clubs the opportunity to do that. There's got to be a reason to um, to keep building your club and rewards for doing that or playing bigger and better clubs. And um, it's one difference. So, for example, like we play Club A in, say, Timbuktu or whatever. They're a small club and they don't bring anyone to our games. It's just their team. There's no there's not really anything back. They maybe not be competitive. Versus if we kept growing, we played bigger clubs. If we played Lansing to Cobb every week where they're having away fans travel, like that grows your brand as well because you're, the game day is bigger. It means more. You're, you're, you're hitting a wider audience and a wider net. So um, I don't necessarily think there's a glass ceiling, but I think there's got to be a reason for clubs. And I was thinking about this financially is um, you could go start your own club right now if you wanted to. Like there's no like there's everyone starts on the same level. Why didn't you just go start your own thing? Versus if you had a tiered system, necessarily, not necessarily a pyramid, but if bigger clubs are playing bigger clubs, people are more likely to invest in those clubs because they are higher and they're playing bigger teams than, say, just go do their own thing and start it, which is kind of what happens in the U.S. If you don't like someone in X city, you just go start your own club and you just play it. Like, there's not really – that doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's got to be a way for clubs to achieve something higher up into a certain point. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's my rambling. No, no, that's – I, I don't think anyone disagrees, right? I mean, it it sounds a lot like ProRail, and, and, and but it isn't. I take I completely take your point. There's got to be a place to go when you deserve to go somewhere else, be that up or be that down. Uh, but at the moment, it's purely driven by finances rather than ability. Realistically, if you've got the money to go USL, you go USL. If you don't, you don't. But it, but even but even those clubs, like yeah, you paid into know. something. Like, are you really? A club like you no, paid money for the and it's so, not to knock them, but it's not to knock them because there's great clubs in that league and there's great clubs mm -hmm. in MPSL, there's great clubs in EPSL. But like there's gotta be a way to separate clubs who do well on and off the field, that have grown into something who can support a bigger mission so that they can do um that those players are 
there's got to be a re- way to separate those clubs from other clubs who are yes. just starting. And also, if you're starting a new club and your team isn't very good and you don't have a bit better, uh, great off-the-field product, like, you're getting crushed. Are you really coming back in year two and three after you just got beat 10-0 by everybody? Like, you want to mm-hmm. give teams a chance to grow into something, but also competitive teams a reason to keep being competitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what's the what's the reason for existing? I guess my counter to that is that um, if you grow your club um, exponentially, logically, it's your neighbours that notice more because of because of the American scene, right? People people in Portland, Oregon, aren't gonna don't care what's going on in Missouri. Um, most people don't care what's going on in Missouri, right? But um, if you build if you build Springfield, I don't know what's the population approximate population of Springfield, give or take. Columbia. No, which one? In Missouri oh, yeah. or Illinois? <laughs> yeah, Columbia. Yeah. So why am I looking at Springfield? Columbia. Sorry. Well, what's, what's the approximate population of Columbia? Uh, I think there's 125,000 in Columbia, and I think there's 75,000 right. in uh, Jefferson City, which is a 30-minute drive down the road. Yeah. So you keep building Columbia. Logically, somewhat the law of averages says someone in Jefferson wants to replicate it. All right. Um, once I, I I want what they've got, but I don't want to drive that whole 30 minutes down the road. So I'm going to do it. And if they do it right, then their neighbors do it and their neighbors do it. And I think that's, it's not how you grow your club, but it's how you grow the footprint so that um, there's a natural tipping point whereby you don't have to play Jefferson because they've just started up. You don't have to play whoever, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but you don't have to play whoever because um, they are a different level to you. But that's because of the volume of clubs rather than the value of the club. Zach, you, we, we've had this talk a lot with, with league conversations with the Midwest Premier League. But, um, you know, look at our, our dear friends, uh, Union Dubuque, right? There was not a level sort of to step down. They had to shut down. Instead of saying, hey, this regional thing doesn't really work, um, I need to I need to take a step down and go backwards and regroup our fan base and continue to to, to operate. Um, it's it's not just your to your point, Zach, of going up. Yeah, the top twenty percent of clubs maybe can go up, but how many how many entry level clubs that just you you spent two years building your club before you did anything? People don't always take that time that they need to. They need those two years on the field to find their footing and, and establish the business side of it and um having those those levels below i think is is just as important where people can you know you can sustain at varying levels um and i I think that's i think the most frustrating thing zach you experienced in the south and and we still do even in the chicago areas um the varying levels of teams and clubs and while you're trying to do a fun match day thing and collecting tickets and marketing and bounce houses there's others that it's just roll the ball out and it, it gets frustrating when you put in the work you do, you want your peers to do the same and respect the type of environment you're trying to create. Um, that's exactly, I think, what you're saying, too. They're, like Those levels don't exist for everything to sort itself out a little bit, not, not just on the playing field, but all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a very dynamic, ever-changing conversation, and I think there's um, – I think there's a million ways it could be done. And I'm excited as we head into a World Cup and then another home World Cup over these next five years. I think lower league soccer's just we're we're in a great spot to really change it and 
start turning it in the right direction, I think. We're all building something. We're all building something. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're done here. I've, I'm conscious that people's emails are pinging left, right, and center. Um, thank you, Zach. Um, if there's anybody from the Columbia area um, who's listening to this and didn't know you exist, uh, Christ knows how, but how can they get a hold of you? Or even remotely, that they want to help you because they like the sound of your voice. How can they get a hold of you? I'm on social media, social media, AFC Columbia on both Instagram, Twitter, and uh, you can find us on Facebook and then AFCcomo.com, AFCcomo.com. Um, there's a link on, on contacting us and getting involved and please buy a shirt or please. Memberships. Uh, twenty. They've got 2023 memberships on sale now. Get there and, and look good. And I, I was a member, I was a member a season ago. I will, uh, I think he raised his price. Did you, we raise prices this year? It seems like. Uh, well, we go, well, we talked Maybe. about hypotheticals here, and we're seeing hypotheticals okay. that that one team turned into two teams. Uh, there will be a larger number of events if if should should have said second teams start. So Under, understood. Yes. No. Um, we, we, team. That's what it sounds like. No, it's it's uh it's all good. Yes, and, and I tell you what, the detail. I actually saved all the stuff that came in the. AFC Columbia branded mailer, which I thought was a nice touch. I think the level of detail you guys put into it, um, it shows the professional nature of your club, even though you're an amateur club and uh, very well done. I encourage others to go get a membership. This family membership is a great deal. I'll tell you what. What did you get for your membership, Joe? What did you get? Uh, I got a shirt. I got tickets. I um, I got a packet. I got stickers. I got all kinds of stuff in that thing. Scarf shirt, stickers, scarf, uh, yeah, yeah. Shop, yep. And I will say this, and, and let's talk about we talk about volunteers real quick. Uh, I mean, Matt Matt did a really good job with the website, and it was you know it's frustrating building something from scratch, but once it's built and you can see what you built and how well it's done and how um, how well how great of a job he did at it, like on like those things that like find the people that are find people that are passionate about it and have a really good skill, like those are people who are invaluable. So like we have a lot of people like that. Like Grant does a great job with um with with the club shop on, on game days and things like that like those are those are people invest in your people and they'll turn out great products and could not be could not do it myself i don't know anything about building websites so um you know they, they've done a lot of great jobs and we hope we learn we, we took that membership idea from glancing so find yeah, clubs that do well it better done. than you and replicate it very well done all right gentlemen thank you very much for your time um zach one question that you weren't expecting um and if you can't find an answer i will edit it out and then just you know, ping me at some point, but I do want an answer at some point, and I'll just stick it on the ping that we stick out. Um, who should we talk to on this podcast, either club-wise or expertise-wise, or just an area that you think would benefit listeners? You know, before we moved here, we were here um, in uh, we were in Pensacola, and we were with the Golf Calls Premier League, and there's a lot of good clubs who are doing a lot of good things that probably don't get a lot of interaction from some people in the Midwest. Um, and they just do things a little bit differently. Like Mobile does a great job of it down there um, with their, their game day experience and cannot speak highly of that or more highly of that. There's clubs that you see like Temecula, who's out, out west, who, who does a great job with their club shop. And, you know, yeah. there's um, Ballard FC, who is um, at, you know, up in the northwest. There's a lot of several clubs that are that do good things and that are revenue generating opportunities. And um, we really like to to talk and hear how they do their things. Uh, obviously, okay. Lansing is, is a good one from a from a membership standpoint. 
Um, and then Asheville City down there in uh, in uh, North Carolina, which is you know where I went to college in in, in the Tar Heel State. Um, their game day experience is really good. So those are areas that I think a lot of clubs could learn things from. Is how do you how do you build it to where they are now because they're doing a lot of good things. I think some of those are USL two teams, so they might have a different experience on on you know, how they how they operate and you know, things like that. So those are always my suggestions. Um, Yep. So as always, I always like to see, I always like to hear from clubs that are doing it better than me. So I think yeah. there's, I think those are I, I, opportunities. All right, gentlemen. Uh, John, thank you, you good? Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Zach, same time next year. Yeah, same time next year. <laughs> all right, buddy. Catch you later. Yeah. Thanks all. Yeah, we'll have ourselves a laugh. Hooray!